Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in the U.S. Now, for those folks who have been listening to the show for a while, you probably know that I speak a lot about Chattanooga and what they're doing there with their gigabit network in uh, in the state of Tennessee. However, unbeknownst probably to a lot of folks, there are other gigabit networks that are in development uh, and, and gigabit network services being offered uh, also in the state of Tennessee. And so today I figured I would um, take some of that glow and the spotlight from Chattanooga and shine it into one of the newest members of the Gig Service Club, which is Bristol, Tennessee. Now, recently um, they have announced a gigabit service to um, homes and to businesses. They have been offering uh, Internet services, though, for a number of years, uh, the, the, the standard triple play of Internet, voice, and, um, and uh, cable. So they've been at this for a while, but the gig service is new, and so we wanted to get them on the show and talk about uh, the the service, and then I'll get a little bit of the background and, and how their services overall have come to be uh, in place and to hear some of their success stories. So joining us today is uh, Dr. Michael Browder, who is the CEO of uh, Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services, which we will shorten to BTES, and he's actually been the CEO since uh, 1977, so he's had a pretty good run here in, in Bristol. And, uh, Doctor, it's good to have you on the show today. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Yes, indeed. Now, I'm actually broadcasting today from Ottumwa, Iowa, where we're getting ready to start a uh, needs assessment process and, and uh, help all the various stakeholders understand uh, the values and virtues of broadband. Uh, so it's, it's kind of fortuitous to have this uh, conversation with you, uh, Michael, to talk about um, you know how you guys got to where you are. We'll, we'll come to the to the gigabit service, you know, eventually here. And but I wanted to start with how did you get into the broadband business as a public utility that was primarily focused on uh, providing electrical services. Well, Craig, one of the main reasons that we got into the uh, fiber business was to be able to uh, have a communication system that was really high speed and, and offered us an opportunity to manage, control, operate, gather data from uh, the electric system. So that was that was a major reason that we got into it. And then with the triple play uh, services becoming available, at, through uh, Pond Network, Al- Alcatel Lucent's Pond Network uh, equipment, uh, we we decided to go that way. We did a feasibility study. Uh, we surveyed our customers. We um, commissioned a, a survey that asked their customers if they thought we ought to get in the business, and they overwhelmingly um, responded yes to that uh, survey. And so we started. Um, down the road to to build out a um, fiber optic to the home service, uh, and originally we had planned to build to to pass 20,000 homes 
and uh, and we did our business plan based on 7,000 services or 7,000 customers and 17,000 individual services. Um, but after we got started, before the first year was up, we had made the commitment to build out past all of the homes in our area, and um, and then the number of services uh, went up accordingly. But uh, so that's how we. Uh, originally got started um, in in 2002. We said that we got started in 2005 with our first services, but in 2002 I was attending the American Public Power Association uh, board meeting, and the, the Electric Power Research Institute president was there and had talked about the year before power outages had cost industry more than power had cost industry uh, in the United States. And knowing how much our industry pays us for power, I thought, that is a huge bill. Mm -hmm. Then he said that one of the ways that we could get to where we could make the outages uh, shorter and and increase the time and, and, and be able to switch circuits out and so forth was to have a fiber optic system that was available to all the homes. And my thought at that time was that there's no way that we could afford a communication system that's that robust, that fast, and 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 has that uh, um, that is that uh, modern, and that's in 2002 and 2005. We actually were providing service to customers over such a system. So mm -hmm. sometimes that's how fast things change in this industry. Wow. So you had a pretty good driver though when you started looking at the. Uh, the the power outages uh, situation, which by the way is uh, was a main driver in in uh, Chattanooga. I mean, they they figured that it was it was in the millions of dollars that they would lose uh, every year due to power outages, and uh, and so the cost of building the network, when compared against the cost of uh, losing money to outages, seemed to make a fairly strong case without much effort. You're absolutely right, and it's not just us losing money to, to outages, but it's all of our customers and the money that they lose as a result of the power being off. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't happen so much so much with a residential service, but now that, that more and more people are working, well, all of our industries, of course, have our power, and if the power goes off, then they go down and they're losing production. And so those numbers uh, mount up in a hurry. And so uh, our our goal was to drive outage numbers down. Uh, as a matter of fact, before we got in the fiber business, we had a SCADA system, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, that we monitored all of our substations and controlled all of our substations with. Well, we have a lot of lightning here, and and every time we'd have a lightning storm, we'd wind up losing some communication links that were over copper to our substations from a a telephone provider, mm -hmm. and and so then we we'd lose communications. We couldn't operate them. We couldn't even monitor them. But with uh, when you put fiber in, electricity, lightning won't run over glass. So we we haven't had any problems with any of that uh, in the um, seven years that we've that we've been in business and had um, fiber to our substation. So it's. It's uh, huge the kind of difference that you can make in power outages, as well as 
very recently we had uh, a situation where a truck ran into a pole and knocked some power out it and uh, we had uh, some people here that were doing an assessment of us that just happened to be in the dispatch room and we were dispatched the the crews to to repair this situation and so forth in a few minutes there was a phone that rang and somebody checked the phone and the person that was there doing the assessment said, well, now, what was that? And they said, well, that was the first customer calling and telling us that they had a power outage. Mm-hmm. We had already dispatched everybody to, to do that and, and take care of it. So some of those kind of things really have helped with that. Uh, we also were real anxious to get into to helping the schools with the education process. And we have a school that's out in a very rural area at the foot of the Appalachian Mountains, and I was there one day, and they were talking about going, uh, doing a a virtual tour of a Smithsonian institution, um, institute, and 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 from their school, and being able to have a guided tour with a guide that's answering questions, and them sitting in this small schoolhouse at the foot of the Appalachian Mountains, and so mm-hmm. those those some of those kind of things are just. Uh, things that really uh, make you feel proud to be able to be a part of such a, an addition to uh, education and to the general culture. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is very interesting. So now let's talk through a little bit um, the, the transition from. Well, actually, let me back up for a second. When I talk to a number of communities, you know, they want to know the full range of stuff that broadband can do can do and so forth. And I usually counsel them that they should find a single primary application for which they can see a clear line between investment and return on investment. And that becomes the primary application to start with the understanding that once people start to understand and buy into that one solution, all of these other solutions like the ones you're describing uh, then come into focus, right? People start to see why I can do this or that and so forth. Is is that what you would advise uh, your your peers to do in a similar situation? Uh, well, I I think that's absolutely uh, correct. Now, we did that based on on um, doing a survey for uh, cable TV, internet, uh, and internet services, and telephone services. Mm-hmm. And 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 from our survey back, we found that there were a whole lot of people that a lot of people that wanted a a uh, were interested in us being the provider of those services mm-hmm. uh, based on our reputation so we did a business plan based on getting into business to provide those services because it would primarily uh, provide a cash flow to help to pay for mm-hmm. um, now the the electric system owns uh, the services and under the Tennessee state law, uh, we are required, and this is a, this is absolutely okay. But we're required to pay for for the depreciation, pole rental, um, all of the maintenance and cost of money as that that uh, cable, internet, and telephone are actually using of that system. Mm-hmm. So, so we're uh, paying for it with those services. But the electric system is, is getting um, millions of dollars worth of advantage, and the electric customers are getting a 
a pretty cheap ride of having these extra services available because mm-hmm. every place that we have the fiber services, we read the meters. Right. We also we also have a state of the art uh, load management water heater load management system that where we can actually turn water heaters off for we do it for six hours in the mornings in the winter and eight hours in the summer in the afternoon during the peak price time and move the electric water heater load into into an off peak into an off peak time. Um, if we were doing that today, that would have been a major piece on our front burner, but it wasn't the major piece. It was an opportunity, mm-hmm. a future opportunity when we started this six years ago. But it would be different today. Right, now, okay. We also, we're also able to control our voltage much tighter, which helps reduce our peak demand, um, which every month we pay a demand charge. It's based on our peak hour for that month. Mm-hmm. And so... That that allows us to do that, and we do that with reading the voltage every 15 minutes, and in some cases every five minutes from every place that has our fiber services. So mm-hmm. we we have 14,000 places that we're monitoring the voltage at this, and we can tell what's happening in our, on our entire system, and we can control those voltages with regulators and capacitors that that we have. Uh, that we had before, but we're now we're able to control them with a whole lot more data and control them a much at a much finer point, and that saves us thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars each month on our uh, power bill because we buy our power from the Tennessee Valley Authority and resell it to our customers. So that that gives us the opportunity to do that. So those are some major pieces that we're able to do there besides reduce power outage time, uh, and to be able to do other automated things with the electric system. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the um, the needs assessment, because it sounds like you did a needs assessment exercise, and you did at least one, if not two, surveys. I wasn't sure how many of those that you did, but um, let's kind of just go through the, the what, you, what you've described as a uh, needs assessment process. What exactly is that? Well, in our needs assessment process, we we gather data uh, through our our um, well. Let me back up. We've been involved to a degree in economic development and assist in economic development in, in our region for the last fifty years, mm-hmm. and and so uh, one of the things that we kept seeing there were uh, needs for uh, better data, faster data those kind of things. So as part of the needs assessment, we saw a need there. We saw children, our children, our board members' children, and other employees' children and neighbors getting a, a degree from a from a local uh, college. We have some great colleges in, in the region. Uh, local and, be, and then having to go somewhere else to get a job where you're dealing with data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we says if we had if we had a system where we could provide data services as fast and as reliable and as cheap as any place in the country, this would be an excellent place to do business because you know, it's, it's a wonderful lifestyle here. It's rural, but it has a you know some small cities, 
but it's but it's rural and it's mountainous and it's just a great place to live. So we said if we could do that, that could be a a, a push in economic development. That was part of our needs assessment, uh, looking at what. Uh, we might be able to to assist in the education system if there was a much faster system to uh, for data to be able to get into the schools, and that was part of our needs assessment. Then we we uh, had there was a needs assessment we did on additional cable, internet, and telephone services, and the numbers that that our um, our customers told us were between uh, ninety uh, eighty-three and 94% of uh, asking us to uh, get into business and they would buy from us if it was as cheap or cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was sort of unusual in the fact that we had never been in the cable, internet, or telephone business, but we had a good enough reputation in the electric business that mm-hmm. our customers were telling us they were willing to go with us in this new venture. So that was part of the needs assessment. And then we did... We did complete financial assessments, and we went to school on everybody that was in this business that we could find. Uh, we traveled. That's one of the great things about the American Public Power Association is that members of that organization will share whatever they have with any other members of that organization. And so we visited places. We made phone calls. Um, we also listened to lectures. We attended seminars that were done by the American Public Power Association in this area. So those were all part of our needs assessment, and we put all of that stuff together. And then there were some uh, pretty restrictive state laws that we had to go through, uh, being a a government Mm -hmm. uh, in the state of Tennessee that we had to go through to get into these businesses. As a matter of fact, uh, telephone. We have we have to have a uh, telephone services just like any just like any other main telephone company. As a matter of fact, we have a class five telephone switch that which the cable company uh, at least does not have in this in this region. And and so uh, so all of our needs assessment was to find out all of those kind of things. We had to put together a team, and some of it was through consultants and people that we that we knew or found out about to help us with areas and then and then the expertise within our organization that we had uh, engineers and computer experts that we had to send off to school and so forth. So uh, we didn't hire a lot of outside expertise. As a matter of fact, uh, everybody that we had or have uh, in that business has, ca- has come to work as part of the electric system Mm-hmm. And uh, and and grown into the rest of it. Um, we had electrical engineers and computer people that helped us with the with all of these functions with the electric, and they just grew into this other piece. Um, they were they were accustomed to providing excellent service. Uh, you, you know, when the electricity would go off, people expect it to come back on, and they expect you to roll a truck and so forth. They expect to have a call answered, and so we've tried to use all of that that uh, training expertise and expectations as a way to be part of our gathering our needs assessment and putting together a plan to get into the business. Mm-hmm. And so th- those those things have been very important to build on what we were good at, and and then what we're not 
weren't we not good at or not trained at, make sure that we got the training and acquired the expertise. And then, and then we got out and found partners in our interviewing, you know, partners to build a fiber system, partners to advise us on telephone, um, partners that had done these kinds of things before, um, and and, um, and and got those people on board with us to be part of our team. So th- that's sort of how we got through our needs assessment and got to the point of where we were providing uh, providing service to our customers. Mm-hmm. Did you get a heavy <clears throat> Did you get a heavy response to your uh, feedback efforts? In other words, you know, you mentioned the survey. Uh, oh, by the way, how many of those did you do? One or two surveys? We did one. Okay. We we did one survey. We we had a a public relations consulting firm uh that uh that put the survey together, uh did it, um and then they hired some college students to be a bank of people to make calls and do it and then they analyzed the data and gave us the feedback on it. Okay. We needed that to we needed for that to be at arm's length. Uh, so that uh, because we're using that through several purposes, both uh, from regulatory um, and and board and financing and those kind of things, mm-hmm. so we needed we needed it at arm's length, and so we went that that direction to get that survey done. So this was a telephone survey. Yes, it was a telephone survey. Okay. Um, so now, what kind of participation did you get in the survey? Like, what percentage of your uh, residents, or did you separate it between residential folks got a survey and business folks got a different survey? Uh, well, we, questions, I should say. We 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 did we did one survey, and then uh, but we did se- segment that as we went through. We did one survey, and we and primarily we asked uh, people if um, if they were satisfied with us, and if we. Uh, would they subscribe to us if if we were in the uh, cable TV, if we were in the um, uh, telephone, or we were in the internet business? We asked those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we also asked them if it was important to them that local uh, dollars spent on cable TV, internet, and it stayed in Bristol. Right. Um, and um, some and and a few more questions. It wasn't a really long survey. But we mainly wanted to get to the point. Uh, do you think we're doing a good business? And would you uh, be likely to change to us at the same or lower rates? Mm-hmm. Now, did, but did you deline- did you have one survey for businesses and one for residences, or how did you sort of gauge your business potential uptake versus the residential uptake? I, I don't have that information re- with me right now. I'm not okay, sure no worries. how we did that. All right. Um, but it seems like uh, that you got a fairly good uh, percentage of folks responding to this, which is always a – that's one of the challenges of doing any kind of survey is getting that response rate up. Right. And that, was one, that, and that was one of the reasons that, that, we, that we did it with a phone survey, mm-hmm. is, is so that we could get a real high percentage of return on it. Now, a thing that you ask about about businesses versus uh, versus residential, we focused on the residential part early on. Uh, okay. We focused very strongly on that, and the reason for that is 
that uh, when you're dealing with people's phone or internet and and something goes wrong, uh, they don't have much much um, forgiveness on on that piece. And we knew that because we know that in our business that you you absolutely couldn't do your business without the telephone and without internet access. So we did not. We wanted to make sure that that was a hardened system that we were well uh, uh, sure that it was going to work and work well and work continuously all the time before before we uh, really took it out and beat our customers' doors down with. Now, mm-hmm. even though that we had we had the system from day one was as reliable as anybody else's system. That wasn't good enough for us to really roll it out big time. We mm-hmm. wanted to make absolutely sure that it was going to work almost all the time, mm-hmm. um, because that was that was the business um, uh, that was the business plan that we'd been operating under with Electric, and that was the in our intention for the for the other services, and and so we were not taking any chances uh, with our business customers. Uh, until we'd had a little bit more experience, even though that day one out of the box we were better than our competitors, that was not good enough for us. Mm-hmm. And clearly, this has served well because you've been at this now for five years or so. We've been at it for six years, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and we have almost no churn. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is almost is also is sort of unheard of in this business. Uh, wow! So, so we 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 get customers. Our intention is to keep customers. Uh, we we started out when we started out. We were offering a a package that had one and a half megabits per second internet and basic basic uh, cable, which was seventy nine channels. And basic uh, telephone services, which included 100 minutes of long distance for 99.75. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in in 2006, the fall of 2006. Six years, six years later than that, um, we've gone up to 30 megabits per second. We've got unlimited long distance on the phone. We've got call. Uh, we've got. Um, um, Voicemail on the phone now for no additional charge, and the price has gone up ten dollars, and ten dollars is less than our content for this cable package has gone up in that period of time. So our rest of our we've done all this other increases in services at no cost, and the only cost change that we've had to our customers is how much content that the cable companies charge us to carry their cable vision services. So yeah. so uh it, it it is huge what we've been able to do. Um and and one of the things that people have been really, really happy with us is when we've changed internet speeds for instance and added that to the package, we go back and everybody that's get that's got that package gets that increase. And sometimes we were increasing it to a speed that they Previously, we're paying extra for it, but we increase it because because that's one of the things that we found out that people hated to find out that somebody's getting a deal better than they are. <laughs> so we don't have any we don't have any deals that are not 
that any, everybody else doesn't get as good a deal as you do. Not mm-hmm. that it's just available to them. They actually get it. Right, um, right. And we and we found that that is a major that is a major thing that people really appreciate. And now, when we're we're selling against people trying to undersell and do packages and do deals and all that kind of stuff. But most of the people here realize that the people in the next communities where they don't have us like people like us to compete with that that our competition charges more at those places than they do here and they take that in consideration. Not everybody goes by it, but most people take that in consideration. Mhm. Huh. That's a um that's a good place to be. Let's talk, let's talk about this a little bit more because I think we're on the track of the answer to the next question I was going to ask, which is, you know, what is the secret of your success? And it sounds like there's two things. One is that your customers trusted you before you even got into the business, and then after they started receiving the services, you have such a high level of customer satisfaction that that is what keeps them around even in the face of cost cutting and price, you know, the whole price gouging, price promo thing. I I believe that's absolutely right. Now, our mission is to provide service to our customers, employees, and community that exceeds their expectations. And we understand that when you say that you're going to exceed somebody's expectations, that every day you have to be better than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. Because whatever you've done for me today, I expect at least as much from you tomorrow. So you can only exceed expectations by getting better. And then and then our vision is to be the best, the best electorate, the best Internet, the best cable, the best telephone provider, to be the best, and that's only one. So every day we're out there trying to be the best, and, and our employees are bought into that and and uh, and are really doing a good job of working to to be the best, and and I think that most of our customers feel it. Mm-hmm. Very good. That that sounds about that sounds about right. Now, did you have any issues, <clears throat> or did you pay specific attention to managing expectations? And I ask this question because um, I see in a, in a number of uh, situations, especially when there's bad you know, bad press that's going on or whatever, that people, it may be an issue of uh, overhype or the expectations were higher than they could realistically deliver, which gets them into trouble. How do you guys manage expectations so that you keep people motivated but you don't disappoint them either? Um, Well, we went to school on a lot of other people on that. And one of the things is that we never have had a backlog for for installs that was longer than two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and we've managed that by how we we advertise. We we uh, our person that's in charge for public relations and our advertising, and our person that's in charge of our customer service uh, people. Uh, they talk every day on exactly where our backlog is and how's it working, and mm-hmm. so we keep we keep moving in that direction. And we've seen people have a six months backlog. Now people wow. really do get service like that, but we never had more than a two week backlog. Um and and we and we do most of our stuff with mail. Uh-huh. Um, we we do advertise on our own cable channels, but then but then our own customers are seeing those and then and then we do when we use some yard signs. But but we we up and down mail 
every day uh, uh, on what we're going to mail out for uh, advertising uh, based on what our backlog is today. And, mm-hmm. and, and, we, and we stay real close to that. You're absolutely right, managing expectations. The other piece is that we saw people running out of, out of money, had to borrow more money, or that they didn't have as many customers as they thought they would. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we we did our expectation on where we were going to get uh, as number of customers and by what time and so forth, and we were very conservative on that. But we also knew that if we did better than that, which we have, that we'd need more money. So we, we put that in the expectation up front that if we do sell more and if we do make these things happen, we're going to have to borrow more money because that's part of so we put that out for the public to see, and, and we put the time timelines of when when these things would have to happen, based on how many customers we had and so forth, and so so we were able to manage that expectation well. So I think that pretty much from the very beginning on our list of expectations that our customers would have, we tried to go to school on anything anybody else did, and use that to set the expectation. And then, um, and then to beat it, because as I said to begin with, that our mission was to exceed their expectations. Mm-hmm. So, so managing those pieces well, and then working to do better than than what you said you were going to do, uh, is extremely important. And we've been pretty successful at that. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Now, you know, one of the, um, what was it? Uh, <clears throat> Right before Thanksgiving, I got a call about uh, a company uh, in another community, and their network had had a couple of failures. And and right now, they're going through a lot of uh, hoops to try to get – I I gather from the conversation that they're going to try to get new vendors because they feel like the parts that they've put into their infrastructure hasn't worked very well. And it's led to a couple of um, – uh, outages of the internet service that have lasted for anywhere from several hours to almost a full day, and you know, and everybody obviously is very concerned about that. Um, my contention, and also the people running the the network, their contention is that there are these growing pains in the beginning. Uh, my sort of my second response is that. People need to be prepared for that potential that the, the system could go down, uh, you know, in those early days, not be due to negligence or whatever, but just the nature of the beast. Did you guys have much in the area of, um, you know, downtime of the network early on? Uh, and if so, how did you get past those? That, we did not have much of that early on. Uh, part, part, of, part of what we did was, like I said, in, in picking our partners to play in this in this game with us, um, and and we we really worked hard to find people that had excellent uh, re- reputations for equipment, um, um, and 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 we we chose vendors and 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 people to help us based on their long uh, reputation, and we went to we went and visited other places that they worked. And we talked to people, and 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 basically we were we were very fortunate in getting um, a, a good group of vendors and and consultants and and um, 
uh, not as many consultants as, as though as uh, people that actually help us build the thing out and and help us design the system and some of those kind of things because because that is extremely important and people that would go to bat when when something goes wrong and it's not a convenient time to work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted people that had reputations that were miles deep in that area, and that and 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 that's what we did. And basically, we were we were real really successful at that. We did wind up with a uh, some pieces of equipment in the system that uh, uh, things that went wrong with. Uh, uh, fortunately, uh, sometimes these things caused you'd have to reboot them, so you had to be you had to be Johnny on the spot and get that done, taken care of quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, um, had some situations where, you know, our long-distance Internet access that somebody else had, had a problem and, and caused us a problem, and, and we just had to react to it uh, quickly. We had we had bought a, some, uh, a, a, a redundant feed from a supplier, Internet supplier, that one automobile hit a pole and tore two fibers into that happened to be in the same conduit. How that they thought that they could get get away with calling that redundant, I never did understand. But uh, but we actually, uh, I was the first person on the on the, the spot where that had happened, um, and the people who owned the fiber were they were going to have somebody on the way, and I said, well, I'm going to get our splicers here. And we're going to splice it. This was in a neighboring town, and we got our people there, and they spliced it and got our stuff back. Now, in that other town, their 911 was out from the same same break, mm-hmm. um, but, but we spliced that back too while we were there uh, in their credit card machines. And you can't run a city without the credit card machines working. You know? <laughs> I'm sure. And that was in their town. That was in their town. But I, with ours, we lost access to part of the phone system. Like if mm-hmm. you were trying to to call another exchange from our exchange, that that was the circuits that were down with us. And and if somebody wasn't didn't know they were receiving a phone call and they didn't get it or they tried to make one and they got a quick busy, that was the only people that knew this was out on our system. Mm-hmm. But uh, but with us it was it was that you don't let your shirt hit you back until you get it fixed. <laughs> and, and and when that and when that happens it's all of us. It's not just some of us, it's all of us, right? Exactly. Get to moving, but but then but then that was that was the that was the uh, culture that we grew up in with electric service, and most mm-hmm. most people um, in electric service they really do they really do work it that way, but for some reason some of these other services haven't had that same feeling, especially. Where the customer, where you meet this customer. Now, in a lot of other parts of their system, they do a really good job. But where the customer, where you meet the customer, hasn't been as important to some people as it is to us. Right. And I think when you look at the networks that are successful, and particularly the networks that are successful under heavy pressure from the incumbents, that this attention to service, this attention to detail. Uh, this managing the expectations so that you either under promise or you realistically promise but over deliver is what gives you the competitive advantage. Am I correct? 
I think you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, when we got into business, our goal was to meet the price and beat the service. Now, in effect, in, in, in effect, though, we've beat the price and beat the service. Mm-hmm. But but our goal was to meet the price and beat the service. We didn't plan on being the cheapest guy in town. We planned on being the best guy in town. Um, but we are also the cheapest because we, since we've been in the business, our electric customers that are taking cable and internet telephone, either from us or a competitor, have saved over $30 million that they've kept in their pockets because of the prices we charge and the prices our competitors charge to compete with us. Mm-hmm. But we never started out to be the cheapest. Now, you say you, uh, with $30 million in it. Explain that one more, one more time. I want to make sure I got this right, because that's very important. Okay. We've, we've got 33,000 electric customers. Those people that are taking cable, Internet, and telephone, either from us or somebody else, mm-hmm. because of our rates or because of the rates that people are charging charging our electric customers cheaper than they're charging their neighbors in neighboring towns mm-hmm. have have saved thirty million dollars since we've been in business in two thousand five. Wow. Now that's interesting. But, now, but, but but I can't okay. put that on a financial statement because that's money that stayed in their pockets. Mm-hmm. So so that's just good stuff to talk about, but you can't you can't take it to the bank, you know, because right. you never you didn't get that money. You left that with your customers. <laughs> but on the flip side, though, that increases the loyalty factor and everything else because people realize that this is a uh, a serious value, and um, and which also, in my mind, this kind of thinking is what removes the um, the partisan edge to this this whole community broadband thing. And I think that you know when when other communities are faced with incumbents that want to get rid of the muni networks. You know, they're always talking about, you know, it's a free market thing. It's a market, you know, let the market decide. But I think that in a situation where the technology delivers a significant benefit to the community at large that they can measure in dollars and cents, that a lot of people will come on board regardless of their political persuasion because of what it is, the impact on the community level, that it becomes a community issue, not really a political issue at that point, or a community economic issue. Well, is that, that, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And 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 um, most people here are very most people here are very conservative. Uh, and what they do is they see this doing collectively for the people what the people can't do for the what the what they can't get some other way, and they can get they they can get uh, cable, they can get internet. Because uh, I, I mean, I, where I lived, I could get dial-up. That's all I could get before before our service uh, was available there, um, and, uh, uh, and 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 could get telephone, but but there was there was a better plan. The fiber. The fiber optic stuff that we're putting in the triple play was was a better plan that we could get, and by us being willing to put our collective money together, it's not the government's not doing. I mean, we're a government, but but we put the money in, we borrowed money, we put the money in, 
and the money pays its way back, and we pay all the taxes, and we pay all of everything that anybody else would pay, and we're still able to do it better and cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so this is just people doing for themselves collectively what they couldn't do individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I don't think of it as much a partisan thing, or I don't think of it as much a political thing. But here's just people have a have an opportunity to do for themselves collectively and through either a, a government or a cooperative or that sort of thing that that they can't get done uh, by somebody that, that just wants to put their money in and make a profit off of it. i got no, no problem with people putting their money in and making a profit off of it. But with all the new technology that's available today and then somebody want, wanting to keep making milk, milk and stuff that they put in 30 years ago, uh, just um, it's leaving our country uh, way behind uh, parts of the world where that they're getting out there and doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're able to get we're able to get there. When we started this, the system that we put in to start with did 30 megabits per second. That was as fast as it as it was. But we knew that the fiber was future proof, and if we put mm-hmm. the fiber in with a passive optical network system, then as electronics got to be faster, you could change the electronics on the end and and use the same fiber system from end to end. And then if people didn't need it faster, you didn't even have to change their electronics. Then we went to 100 megabits system, and now we've gone to a gigabit system. And we've still got the same fiber we put in to start with. So we didn't have to change any of that that all the way from our office to the house. But we didn't have to change any of that stuff. We just had to, to hook it on a different piece of electronics at, at, at the office end and put a new piece of electronics at the house. In mm-hmm. the uh, and so this this is an opportunity to use some technology that that's, the other people are not making available. Most other people are not making available. Mm-hmm. And so this is a place where the people the local people get to borrow money through through the government and pay all the, everything else that anybody else pays and and do business for ourselves uh, to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, and if you gave me time, I could get a pulpit and stand behind it and say it real loud. <laughs> well, you're doing a pretty good job here, and I, and you should definitely. Uh, Make sure all your neighbors and customers know about uh, know about the show. Uh, one one question I have is about cable TV because actually this came up in a uh, discussion I had with a couple of people this morning, which is in my uh, opinion. Now I'm generally the business side. I don't get too much into the technology side, but providing cable TV services because of the expense, because of the logistics hassle because of the cost to retain customers uh because TV services you know are are the it's a fickle market that this is more of a drag than uh not on community networks and if there was a way communities should try to not do TV now what's your your thinking on that cuz i know i know people disagree with me but i'm just i'm kind of curious as to you know, did you guys explore this question, you know, of, well, do we really want to carry the cable TV side considering its cost and logistics and so forth? You're absolutely right on all of those points, except I will disagree with you on one. 
there's one thing that I never, ever in my life wanted to do is be in the cable business, ever, <laughs> ever wanted, did I want to get in the cable business. But to 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 get in the Internet business and to get in the telephone business um, or any of those any of those businesses without the cable, I don't think that you, I don't think I could be very successful at that because there's too many people now that want those things bundled together and they want to buy a package. Mm-hmm. And and there was just we we spent a year that we didn't have telephone, and there was a lot of customers we couldn't get because we didn't have one of the packages. Um, and so, and and you're right. As a matter of fact, we st- the telephone, I mean the cable system we started with, we've now changed it to an IP, an IP TV system, mm-hmm. uh, because it but to just to stay up. But but uh, we 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 don't make much money off of off of cable. If we just barely make enough to make ends meet off of it, and and we make and we make our operating stuff off of off of the others. So I agree with you. Uh, except that I don't think I could sell it. Uh, I know of another organization right now that's trying to go through that, and a year from now I'll be able to give you a better up-to-date opinion about that. But from what I've seen of trying to operate a two-service system or a three-service, if you count electric, but two-service fiber system, without the third, even when people have a lot of cell phones, uh, it just didn't work as well. And, mm-hmm. I, I, and I really believe that you need the you need the cable to get everybody through the door, and you need a good cable to do that. And you need right. A good cable so, and that's basically what Lafayette, uh, one of the managers from the Lafayette project, was was on the show, as well as another network out of Pennsylvania, a small town in Pennsylvania. And the consensus seems to be that it is problematic, but you can't really make your numbers without it. And uh, I guess I should get out there and understand a little bit more about this. I mean, from my perspective, it's, it's, it's um, you know, I'm not a big TV person, but I think that the nation as a whole is, is decidedly heavily in favor of TV and heavily in favor of cable. And so therein you have to kind of work with the, you know, with the greater market there. I, I, th- I think it's right, but it's also now it's gotten to where people want to, Want the the services combined, and so mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have them if you don't have them um, combined if you can't sell the whole package they 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 they're interested in going somewhere else. Um, and and we like we have twelve thousand cable customers and ten thousand six hundred internet customers and eight thousand telephone customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have more cable customers than we do either one of the others. Um, and um, so, based based on that based on that set of numbers, now that's out of a total of fourteen thousand individual customers mm-hmm. that we serve. Those are the the numbers we have. Uh, they they've got uh, a little more than about two point two services per customer. Mm-hmm. Is what we have. But but um, uh, I, if if I were doing it again, uh, I would have. I would have cable. Cable, cable calls causes you more calls. It causes you more uh, customers that have an issue to deal with. Um, and cable continues to change, um, and it and it continues to get better. So you've got to stay at the front of it, 
and you've got to spend money to do that. Mm-hmm. But but um, I wouldn't want to try it without it. Right. And I think that's pretty much going to have to be the way it is until uh, until somebody figures out a better way to divorce the two but sell them all together. And I don't think that's probably very practical. Well, you know, I see for... some people doing. I see some people trying to do that. As a matter of <laughs> fact, in our community, there are people that you know sell one or two of these services and try to bundle in somebody else's other one, and and they're not being very successful against us. Okay. Well, I guess that's my marketing lesson for today. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm I'm not the final say in that, but that's just what I've seen. Right, and you're not alone, though. I mean, it's, it, you know, it is yeah. what other folks are saying as well, and you know, slightly different reason for one or the other, but pretty much the consensus seems to be that you've got to offer the package if you're going to be in the game, and away they go. Right. So let me ask but, but one... you. But you also have to be. You also have to be good at it. You just right. You just, well, you can't you, do a bad job. I mean, especially the TV right. side, because right. I'm sure word of mouth. If you start doing bad TV service, and probably the word of mouth is probably worse there than any uh, anything else. It uh, is. It is. It is worse than the combination of all the rest of it together. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, so uh, you're right. Which were the reasons that I said that. Uh, mm-hmm. I just never really wanted to be in the cable business. Right. So we got about five minutes. I want to I want to finish up and ask a question. I know that in Tennessee there are laws that make it difficult to be a municipality and provide uh, these kinds of services. But so, but my question is, if if um, the community creates a co-op or they create a nonprofit organization or a foundation or whatever. Is it possible that that would be able to do the job, and you'd have less political hassles to deal with? Um, well, in, in the in the state of Tennessee, the the only only people that are in any of this are private entities, except municipals that own their electric system. Mm-hmm. Now, but that was written into the state law, and so all of us in Tennessee that are that our municipals uh, operate in in the uh, we have an electric system, and and um, so those those are the ones that that can do it. Now you may could do some of the things that you're talking about. I am not sure. I haven't uh, been involved in in trying to make something like that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it, it it is it is uh, I guess it is possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, but um, but we went by we went by the laws in the, in the state and uh, um, and and got all the approvals and so forth and we did have incumbents that uh, had uh, were opposed us mm-hmm. but but we were able to prevail uh, in getting getting done the things that we needed to do and um, so I, I'm not I'm not sure about. There, what you say, there may be a possibility, but I'm not sure. Right. Okay. No, that yeah, just generally curious. So, in the last in the last couple of minutes here, what would be your advice to communities that are that are setting out? I mean, we talked a little bit about the need analysis and uh, and building the confidence of the community and expectations. But if you had to give two pieces of advice to a community on the beginning of this journey, uh, what were those? What would those two pieces be? 
you you can never get too much knowledge of what other people did that were successful and what other people did that caused problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanted to learn everything that I could that anybody did well, and I wanted to learn everything that I could before anybody had a problem. And so our our people, all of our employees, our management, our technical people, and our board of directors set out to scour the United States and and what worked well and what didn't, and let's put all of that information together. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you need you need every bit of it because you will have opportunities to make every mistake that anybody's ever made, <laughs> and you'll have an opportunities to not if you've gathered your data well. Mm-hmm. So the knowledge knowledge is king in that, and it's not just technical knowledge. It's knowledge mm-hmm. of people. It's knowledge of how you organization works, it's knowledge of how you give customer service, it's knowledge of how and when you advertise and 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 expectations. People are going to expect a lot but, but don't get out and sell it faster than than you can really provide excellent service. And mm-hmm. th- those are big big things that that I would say that that uh, don't you know they they can sound just like so many words, but I think that it's it's a real uh, biggie on on whether you're successful or not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I had someone just ask me if uh, you're if you'd be interested in writing a book. I think I think she wants to write one from her experiences and whatnot, and uh, and and believes that the advice that you have here is pretty good. So, any interest in writing a book? Want to be an author? <laughs> well, well um, I've I've had that. Uh, Fleetingly go through my mind, uh, <laughs> um, um, and uh, if if I if I started down that road, my my spouse after she got through lambasting me would help. So, uh, so so when it when it comes to writing, she she she's a great assistant. Uh, she's of great assistance to me um, because she's better at that than I am. But uh, but I, I have uh, I've gathered together a lot of information and uh, and and I might be interested in doing such a thing. Mm-hmm. That does that does spark an idea, you know, because what there is right now is a very serious hunger for knowledge, and it's the kind of knowledge that you folks in the, that are in the business have. You know, I mean, I I do consulting obviously, and I'm never one to turn down a consulting gig, but at the same time, there's certain skills and there's certain knowledge that comes from the people in the trenches that even us, the best of consultants don't necessarily have either. So I'd say, uh, you know. And, it's a, and you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, once in my life, I was early on, I was a consultant. Mm-hmm. But but I, but I also figured out that when I when I did a, a job for somebody and then made a presentation and gave them a thick book and went through it with them, that I still left with a whole lot of their information in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we we try to have as much. We do we do use consultants, and but we try to have as much uh, information in our heads when we get through this process as we can, as we can. Uh, Excellent. And, and and use their expertise. To help grow our expertise, uh, not just to use their expertise, and then when they leave, we don't have any expertise left. Right. Uh, our our idea is to use is use the consultant's expertise to grow our expertise, 
And so hopefully when we get to the end, both of us are better. Excellent. And with that, we're going to have to wrap because we're at the end of the show. I've got to go into a my first workshop here in the in Atumba as I kind of help folks do exactly what you're describing. So I want to thank you for your time and your contribution, Michael. This has been extremely helpful, and I wish you all the uh, you know the best luck and continued success with your project there in uh, in Tennessee. Well, thank you, and um, it's it's been interesting, and I've enjoyed this. Thanks. Excellent. Good luck with your project. All righty. Thank you very much, and thank you to our audience. Goodbye. Thank you.